there's always like a little bit of a there's like a worry at the when you first start to record where you're like well fuck what if nothing you know like what if nothing funny happens <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> ruins the yeah, whole thing what if we get all the way through this and it sucks yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, Damn it. Possibility. can you guys hear this tell me if the sound changes a lot i could hear that beep i mean i heard a beep my room doesn't get like any circulation back here so i'm next to this huge window that just letting in cold air oh you're cold i'm out of my front porch so same i like ran my space heater for an hour before i came <laughs> out here I, yeah nope i'm in my room my upstairs <laughs> just this big old warm room <laughs> yeah rub it in I'm, if you see me put a blanket on that's what's going on right. <laughs> or you could just put on like a sweatshirt wear a hoodie that's <laughs> true yeah. that's probably <laughs> social club social, social. <laughs> i didn't even that i didn't even need that one i just opened it all right well welcome everyone welcome to the show welcome to the board game social club my name is aj i'm here with my friends robbie and josh we are your three hosts on this adventure that we're going to go down with Colt today. Hey everybody. Hey Robbie. <laughs> What's up guys? How's everybody doing today? I'm doing good. Doing great. I'm a little cold. It is a little cold. Snowed. Snowed last night so you know. Regular old Colorado weather. Yep. We're continuing our sheltering <laughs> yeah. in place. Continuing sheltering. Right. Does it make you guys feel better or worse to shelter in place? Josh I guess you're excluded from this question but... Does it make you feel better or worse knowing that it's cold as cold as balls outside? Um, I was out in it all morning, so <laughs> uh, worse, worse that it's cold, for sure. Right. <laughs> I'm actually enjoying it quite a bit. <laughs> it's, it's really making this possible right now. Yep. Yeah, that's very true. Hey, we forgot to do something during our hangout phase. That's right. I know. Let's get social. Okay. Social club. I love that sound. I know it's a good one. I was gonna wait and crack my, I was gonna crack my beer in front of my mic, but I couldn't wait, so I just did it earlier. <laughs> All right, well, cheers, fellas. Cheers to you guys. Cheers. Mmm. Yum. <clears throat> Gotta love that What's Jack Daniels. <clears throat> it's so good. <laughs> exactly. Right? Just like Frank Sinatra. It's just like just like that. <laughs> Anybody who has control if they want to send us a free bottle. Right. <laughs> just send me send us an email. We'll we'll get the we'll get it figured out. Yeah. We'll drink it. Um uh, before we get started with this game description for cults, I wanna invite everybody to check out our social media pages. We have our Instagram account, we have our Facebook account. We're getting some traffic on there and we try to post things like pictures of the game um so if you want to follow along for cult specifically you can check out pictures of the game but also between episodes uh we've been trying to post some pictures of us playing the games and um kind of telling you which games we're going to be featuring so you can ask us questions and you can kind of get involved that way so check out our social media pages yeah do it it's a good resource and i think we'll uh dive into this game description what do you guys think about that let's jump in you ready the music Chaos has taken over the streets of Eternal City. 
The citizens have lost their way and are in desperate need of something to believe in. You must do everything in your power to win them to your side and get them to believe in your deity. Though the citizens are easily influenced, beware, for you are not alone. There are others out there just like you, fighting for their deity to become the one true god. Intrigue, cunning, mischief, and manipulation are the tools you have at your disposal. Be the first to build a lasting empire, incite complete chaos, or summon your deity forth in an awesome display of power in order to completely win over the people once and for all. The object of cult is to become the one true god. You do this by accomplishing one of three goals. First, you could build five altars throughout Eternal City. Second, incite four fanatical mobs. Or third, perform the summoning of your deity twice. Josh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Cult? Yeah, Cult was made by Cryptozoic Games. It was funded through Kickstarter, and it was released in 2018. Currently on Amazon, you can get it for about $51.90. Um, due to the state of the world today, they're not... They're not on Prime, uh, but it does have free shipping anyway. Um, you can get it from other sellers, and usually between 41 bucks or 55 depending on which store you want to support. This game is for two to five players. Typically, the gameplay is 45 to 90 minutes. It can take longer, just you know, depending obviously on circumstance, but that seems to be about the average. Typical age is 12 plus, but... I would suggest maybe being 28 with an engineering degree. Uh, <laughs> I agree. I really agree. Just, I don't have the engineering degree, but <laughs> I don't want to play this with a 12-year-old either. Right. Took me a minute to figure this one out. Um, and the type of game, every time I look at anything, it, it, it comes up as uncategorized. Uh, but it would be more of an auction bidding strategy game where you are using an auction bidding type system. So, AJ, why don't we get into the physical description of it? Yeah, let's talk about the physical description. So to help you guys visualize a little bit about what we're going to be discussing here, go ahead and reference the, uh, the Facebook and the Instagram. And uh, let's get going. So first, the actual physical game board. Um, this game is a super cool board. It's square in shape and basically represents Eternal City with three districts or neighborhoods. Every district has its own picture and the artwork for this game is really cool. Um, you know, from the artwork on the districts on the game board all the way down to the character cards. Super cool. Each district is numbered from 1 to 13. And they do a really nice job describing the benefit for each district right there on the board. So it's not really that confusing. You just read what you get if you win. So... Um, so starting with 1 and going through 13, we have the Ruins, the Thieves District, the Slums, the Forum, the Temple District, the Trade District, the Artisan District, the Academy, the Port, the Palace, the Nobility District, the Guards Quarters, and finally the Rift of Darkness, which is technically outside the city. So besides the districts, there are three locations on the board for three separate decks of cards. The Miracle deck is going to go beside the Ruins. The License deck goes beside the Palace. And it actually has space for four cards sort of side by side there. And then finally, the Intrigue deck goes beside the Nobility District. 
The only other thing to note here is a key on the right-hand side of the board that tells players how many followers are needed to advance further into the city and where players with fanatical mobs are allowed to take their benefits. So next, let's talk about some accessories. Um, Rob, why don't you get us started on that? Yeah, so I'm going to describe the accessories that will be used throughout the course of the game. So first of all, uh, every player is going to have what is called a patriarch. The patriarch is my personal favorite accessory in this game. The patriarch is about a two-inch statue with a base that matches the color of your pieces. It is often the most powerful priest you have at your disposal to win over the townspeople, which we'll get more into in a little bit. Next, we have priests and altar tokens, which is the same the same token, one side of these cardboard cutouts represents a priest with anywhere from one to five influence, a number that will help them win over the people. The other side represents an altar, which is always an influence of four. These are on the same pieces because priests eventually get turned into altars throughout the game. Lastly, for me, I'm gonna be talking about the followers. Uh, every color has nine follower pieces, which are little wooden cutouts of a person genuflecting. These provide your patriarch with influence and allow you to access different areas of the board that AJ talked about, those different districts, among other things. Josh, why don't you tell us about a few more accessories? All right, another accessory we're going to talk about is going to be your cult sheet. The cult sheet features the name and illustration of your cult's worshipped savior, as well as a list of special abilities this god can bestow on his followers. Every sheet has a light and dark side. Also, each cult has its own unique powers and they require a sacrifice of some kind, usually involving discarding miracle or intrigue cards or sacrificing followers. There are 33 miracle cards that allow you to improve your situation in one of many ways, including relocation, increasing influence, building altars, or gaining followers, coins, or even fanatical mobs. Another card is gonna be license cards. There's also 33 license cards, License cards grant the owner a unique permanent ability and increases the strength of their patriarch. Another card they have is an Intrigue card. Coincidentally, there are also 33 Intrigue cards. Intrigue cards allow you to harm other players by allowing you to potentially steal cards, coins, weaken rival priests, or even destroy followers, mobs, and altars. Other players have gained. You may also sell these cards for coins. AJ, why don't you tell us those coins that you can get, what are they about? Yeah, so just a few other uh, accessories here, starting with coins. There are 100 total coins in this game. They are little golden triangles, which are a bitch to uh, use somehow. I don't know what it is about them, but a lot of people complain about the shape of the coin. Um, every player starts with five and can acquire more in any number of ways. Um, coins are used to purchase license cards and some benefits in certain districts. Um, on to fanatical mobs. Gaining four fanatical mobs is one of the ways to win, as Robbie said, stated earlier. Uh, they are small pieces in the shape of a flame with a picture of, you guessed it, a fanatical mob. Owning fanatical mobs gains you one free benefit every time you pray. Uh, you can reference the key on the right-hand side of the board to determine what districts you're allowed to use the benefit from. One of the other accessories is the supremacy card. So the supremacy card is the actual benefit from winning District 4, the forum. 
It's a large green card with a picture of the Supreme One on the front side and a celebration on the back side. It immediately gives your Patriarch a boost of seven strength. You may also decide to skip your turn. Uh, that means skipping both the intention phase and the resolution phase in order to gain one of five special benefits. And the last thing I'll talk about is the first player marker. Um, this is just a marker to keep track of who the first player is, and that will change throughout the game. It's in the shape of a hand, and it has a quick setup guide on the back, just for a quick reference. Rob, why don't you just quickly just tell us about the layout of the space? So actually, for this one, rather than talking about the layout in detail, I just want to continue to draw everybody's attention to our social media, because the biggest piece of feedback we've gotten about this show is that the this part of the show is actually really really hard to understand so i'm just going to draw your attention to the instagram and facebook page you can see a layout of the playing space and how all these pieces we just described you can see how they kind of go together to form your your playing space josh why don't you tell us about one round in the game of cult yeah so each round has three parts there's the intention phase the resolution phase and then the end of the round so the start of your turn begins in what is known as the intention phase. During this phase, players can either preach or pray. After this phase has been completed, you move on to the resolution phase, and finally you end the round. So starting off within the intention phase, AJ, why don't you tell us about preaching? All right, so each player is going to start the game with three priests of various power levels and one patriarch whose power level is actually determined by the number of followers you have, plus some bonuses that can be acquired via the supremacy card and some other random cards. Um, starting with player one, um, you're going to take your turn placing priests in various districts that you wish to gain the benefit from. And a few things to keep in mind here. For all intents and purposes, the patriarch is one of your priests. Everyone can send three priests for free and then it will cost you a follower for every priest after that and then depending on the number of followers you currently have you may not be able to send your priests into all 13 districts so reference the key on the right hand side of the board to tell which districts are open to you and just quickly as you start the game every person will be able to play in the first six districts and then you will unlock more from there and then once everyone has sent out their priests that they wish to the preaching part of this phase is complete. Nice. So still within that intention phase, players don't have to always preach. They may also pray. So Robbie, why don't you walk us through praying? On your turn, whenever you're finished preaching, you must declare that it is the end of your turn. And this declaration is known as praying in the rule book. Um, at this point, you perform up to three actions if possible. Uh, first of all, you can gain a benefit based on your fanatical mobs. If you have incited any fanatical mobs, you gain the benefit of one location of your choice, depending on how many mobs you have. And you can see this along the right-hand side of the board, like AJ's been talking about. The other two actions that you can do when you go into the prey phase um, is you can purchase or sell cards. So you may purchase licensed cards if you have enough money or you may sell intrigue cards to gain coins based on their value. Uh, Josh, tell us about the resolution phase. Yeah, so after the intention phase is done and everybody's played their markers, 
we move into the resolution phase. And during this phase, all locations are resolved, and they're resolved in numerical order, starting from 1 to 13, obviously skipping any locations that are empty. At the start of the resolution phase, players may use a card or ability to modify or increase their chances of winning any location. Um, barring any of those said instances, locations are resolved using a combined power of all of your players, priests, patriarchs, altars in that location. If by chance there is a tie, tiebreakers go to the cult with the highest divine might. And then after all of the locations have been resolved, you move to the end of the round. And once the round has ended, you check to see if anyone has fulfilled one of the victory conditions. If not, players prepare for the next round by replenishing license cards if anybody had bought one, moving priests back into your player supply, and establishing who acts first on the upcoming round, like AJ said, by determining the player that won the highest numbered location. So again, when you're at the end of the round determining one of those victory conditions, what are some of those victory conditions, AJ? Yeah, so there are actually three ways to win this game. The first way to win is to be the first player to build five altars. The most common way to build an altar is to win the benefit of District 7, where you will then have the option of paying five coins to turn one of your existing priests on the game board into an altar. A few other ways to actually build altars is one is use a cult ability, and the other is you may, throughout the course of the game, draw random cards that allow you to build altars that way. Um, Robbie, why don't you tell us about the second way that you can win this game? So the second way you can win the game is if you are the first person to incite four fanatical mobs. The easiest way to do this is to place priests in and win the 12th location, which is called the guard quarters. Winning the location is not enough, though. At that point, to incite the mob, you must sacrifice two of your followers. Aside from winning and utilizing the benefits of the guard quarters, you can also incite mobs by playing certain cards throughout the game. Josh, tell us about the last way to win this game. Absolutely. So the third and final way to win is by summoning your deity twice, bringing forth the almighty God. In order to perform the summoning ritual, a player must have total influence at least equal to the divine might of their cult and be in the 13th realm, the Rift of Darkness. All right, so let's let's get away from all this this real technical stuff and let's get into the fun part that I know that all of our listeners really came here to listen to was us talk about this game. So um, let's talk about our first main topic. Let's talk about favorite parts of this game. Who wants to get us started? I got one for you. Um, I really love the, the auction part of this game. Um, The auction bidding. What was the way you phrased that before? Josh, the um, un, the, uh, it was an undecided, um, yeah, it's un- uncategorized, but it was. It's an auction, auction bidding. Uh, you you were right. Auction bidding, auction bidding oh, nice. strategy game. Oh, just keep it then. Don't you just cut all that other stuff out that I just said? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, totally. Yeah, my one of my favorite parts is the auction bidding part of this game. Um, I love that you have like an idea of what you want to go for. And you get to just bid on that and it doesn't guarantee you're going to get it, but you can, you know, you can do all the things you can do and sort of diversify. And, um, I love that you get to just sort of like bid on 
the things you want in each round. Once I read, I, I like I, I think I was telling you guys behind the scenes, but I like read that somewhere that it was an auction or bidding game, probably on Board Game Geek. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my god, that's exactly what this game is built around. You know, that's that's the heart of mm-hmm. this game right yep. there. Is that whole bidding system, and it's open bidding, and you get to see what everybody. It's not like everybody gets their bid secret, and then all of a sudden you lay it out. Um, but yeah, so you you get to really like see what everybody's doing, and that plays into to strategy, which is AJ's favorite word. But you're gonna, yeah, it is. You're gonna you're gonna get to see what everybody's bidding, and so it's cool that you get to play off of that. So I agree, that's a cool part for sure. Nice. I do enjoy that aspect. I think my favorite my favorite part about it is how you can't unless you're the same god twice and multiple times in a row your your strategy changes like i love that aspect where you cannot go into every round with the same strategy you have to take into account the god you're worshiping and that i enjoy that just like pandemic you can't go into every round with the exact same strategy because so much depends on who you are and so yeah, in, that's the, true. in this game like i like it's a very big part of this game is what what deity you're worshiping and that again i they're so different you have some that the obvious strategy is bid on what you want because you win tiebreakers or there's some that's like well you're you're never going to win a tiebreaker so Right. You need to realize how to be, you know, the Aladdin, <laughs> the, the guy that's hiding in the background, <laughs> stealing, you know, doing all these things all shady. Right. You're, you, you know. Yeah, street rat. <laughs> street rat. Yeah, street rat. Street, street, street rat. Street So. Damn, I never thought of Aladdin like that. Such, yeah. Such a shady, He's shady. He's a thief. He's a gangster. Yeah. He's a thief. Lives in the thieves network or whatever. Rem- Do you remember <laughs> when he district. lied to the genie? Yeah, he tricked true. him. Tricked Poor him. genie. Yeah. If I was a genie, I'd have killed him right there and there. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really cool part of this game. I think for the first couple of times I played this game, I tried to build I tried to make my deity match my strategy. Right. And then after probably the second or third time playing, I realized that you have to make your strategy match your your deity. Right. And you have to play to those strengths. Yeah, Rob, that makes a lot of sense because with there being three ways to win this game, um you can really, you know, you really have to choose which way you want to you want to win based on like who you get. So, why don't you tell us your favorite part of the game? Um my favorite part of this game is that every time for probably nine well i i think i probably played this game five or six times um and probably four at least four of those times came down to like the last couple of moves where people were really undercutting each other really abruptly where it was like it looked like aj was gonna win really hard and then all of a sudden um somebody played a card that ruined his whole plan and then they ended up winning or somebody thought they were gonna win and then you were able to to do something in the game, whether it was win a certain district or play your strategy out that undercut the other person who thought they were going to win. And maybe they went on to win, but it still took them a couple of extra turns because of just the, the way the, all the pieces fit together in, in this game. So that's my favorite part. It's just, it leaves a lot open. Nobody really runs away with the game from the beginning. If you just keep going down your path, you're going to get cards or you're going to get abilities that, allow you to throw wrenches in everybody else's plans 
Yeah, I agree. I I've never played a game where there was a like a blowout win. Um, it always comes down to like two people who are like ready to win at the end. I think even a game, Robbie, you and I played with Adina. I think Adina and I were ready to win two or three turns in a row and you kept like getting perfect cards and you kept thwarting us and then you literally won at the end. So super cool that way that it always comes down, makes for very exciting endings. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, talking about those strategies, what what strategy do you prefer, AJ? I really I've I've tried really hard in the five or six games that I've played to try to win in all three ways, just to wrap my head around like how that you know how to do that and like what that takes and the one that i found myself doing the most was the fanatical mobs um but actually i think the most fun is to try to try to um, summon your deity twice it's really really hard and you have to play it really differently and just like really focus on trying to get some really high strength priests and to try to and also try to keep that um the supreme one card and it's just it's like you guys were kind of talking about earlier it's very difficult to do it but i kind of find a lot of fun in that so i think one of my favorite ones to do just straight fun wise is try to try to do that deity twice yeah and i i really like that one i think it's the most fun because as soon as you get that first summon and you get a flip your card over it just right it, it totally changes the game one if you if you were the lowest divine might uh, now, now you're not, you know, a lot of times. Yeah, you win all the tiebreakers now. Up. Um, yep. Again, it's super hard, but it, it, but the lower ones, I find when I'm playing those lower divine might, like a, a atheist, um, I, I tend to gravitate to try to get that done because that, that pops you up to where A, you have your abilities, but B, you also have a higher divine might you, typically than everyone else once you get to your dark side. So I, I think it's a, to mirror what you said, it is the most fun. <laughs> I think it's, it, it is not the easy. It's maybe I think the hardest way to win um, is to do that one. I agree. Robbie, I know that you've played a lot of games where you built altars. Why don't you tell us about what you like so much about that? For me, altars is really the, the easiest one to do. <laughs> and like, like all of a sudden you just you're playing the game and all of a sudden you find yourself with an altar and so you're like oh I'll just I guess I'll just keep building altars um because the altar I was going to say this about what Josh was saying with the rift of darkness even if you don't go for the rift of darkness as a as a winning strategy just to flip the card over one time and do your summoning once is it gives you the it gives you benefits you know so you can have the goal of building altars but maybe uh, you flip over your card so that you get the higher divine might and you get those extra abilities, those different abilities that may be more powerful. Um, and maybe that's just a step in the direction of a different winning goal. So going back to altars, building an altar gives you an automatic four power priest in that space. And so even if you end up not going for altars as your winning goal, it's beneficial to have a four just sitting on the board that you don't have to place there because you only get the three priests every time you preach. So you have an automatic, if I have three altars, that's like three extra priests every single round. So I just found myself like wanting that benefit. And then before you know it, you have three or four altars and you just need a couple of more, one more, and then you're going to win the game. So yeah, and you also only need three followers technically. So you're in, you know, the 
artisan district, right? That's right. That's where you build number the altars. Seven. Yeah. You need three followers to get there. So it's not like you're you're taxed to build an altar. It's five coins. Yeah, it's the, it's, you, it's the earliest one you're able to do for right. sure. Yeah. So you can just sit there with with three followers, putting somebody on that every turn, gaining coins if you don't win. Right. Uh, so it is, it is a very easy, just throw away, kind of always have somebody over there or build an altar there to begin with. Yeah. And you always have a, you always have a representative. Exactly. Yeah. And I think before we move, before we move on, I think it's, it's actually worth noting, Robbie, what you were saying is you do altars because you really like the benefit of the altar. And that's sort of what drives your, your sort of choice there. And then before you know it, you have a couple altars and then why not just go that route? Um, I think it's worth noting that they all, you know, all three ways of winning have their own, um, sort of benefit you get to use. And that's sort of like what you, you know, that's one of the things that you're, you're really debating when it comes to like, how do I do it? Because just to list them really quick, the altars you get, you get to place an altar, which gives you a, a base power of four in any location you have an altar there. The fanatical mobs gain you a free benefit in your choice. Um, usually like one through three, or then if you have two mobs, one, one through six or three mobs, one through nine. And then obviously if you go for summoning your deity twice, you get to flip your card and you get to go on the dark side there with those two usually much more powerful um, cult abilities. Plus the so higher that's one thing might. to keep in mind too. Yeah. yeah, and the higher divine might exactly. So some a lot of things to keep in mind there when you're you know going for your strategy. You're not thinking about necessarily like easiest way to win, but it's like what you know what bonus do I really want to exploit right. here? I think playing into the strategy a lot is that is the idea of what do you go for, and maybe this will come later. So we don't know. I don't know if we have to get too into this, but like Josh was saying, you know, you only need three followers to start to build your altars, but you eventually will need at least five because. There's only three spaces to build altars in the three follower spaces, you know, so you'll have to get five so you can get up to those next two spots to build your fourth and fifth altar. Um, Or you can use a card to build it in maybe one of the previous districts, but you have to get pretty lucky to do that. So um, the very beginning of the game for me is where I get really lost in my own strategy because I like to see just how the game is going to play out. Um and that's where I, I struggle is like, do I start by trying to get an extra follower or do I start right, by going for right. coins so that I can pay for my altars or do I start by getting more priests so that I have like a higher ability to win different places? You know, it's like, where do you, where do you first put your energy? That's the part of the strategy that I struggle with. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know if there's nice. an answer. That's but, a good yeah. wrap up. No, no. I think that was a perfect way to just, end it really i mean i i just agree i guess yeah i mean let's let's we'll have to get more into strategy i think i think it'll come because that's i mean this is this game is huge on oh my god yeah what you can be doing at any given moment you know what you can be going for right and how you can mess it up it's it's all strategy it's if you're the wrong cult and you don't use the what is it called supreme the supreme one supremacy card. card if you don't use that right like just just for an example, I was Janus. Janus? <laughs> I was Janus. And um Janus. And the whole the whole power of, of that person is to flip the script. Is to use cards to make 
the lower divine might win. So Mm. in doing that, I realized after the fact, the benefit of the supremacy card is using the ability to just take miracle cards, miracle cards, because I gotcha. The, the, for me, the strategy of that God is to not build your priests up, gain a lot of priests, use a lot of low level priests and get rid of cards that you either can't use because you haven't, um, summoned your deity the first time. So a lot Mm -hmm. of those cards are just throwaway cards. You can't use them anyway. So the benefit of that God is you use those cards to make your low level priests way more powerful. And so I, the first time playing through you, you don't see that you, you don't see those things and you're sitting on a supremacy card because it makes one person, uh, you know, seven, seven power more. Right. Instead of realizing the benefit that you are not very powerful, your, your power comes from flipping that the deity from, from using your power. Yeah. That's actually a good point. We didn't really talk about that ever, but that's another benefit of flipping your card. Even if you're not going for the, for the, that, that strategy and that like Avenue of winning, there are a bunch of cards in both decks that you can't use, not in the license cards, but in the other ones that you can't use unless you flipped your card over. Right. Right. Or maybe a certain character's ability, which I think is, I can't remember who I was the other night. The, Dragon people, people. Tiamat, there's, there's Tiamat or <laughs> there's two Fafnir. Tiamat or Fafnir. Faf. It was Tiamat. Yeah, so Tiamat, you can use a dark, a dark ability, like a dark card, um, by just like discarding three of your cards or something like that. Right. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so Tiamat, you can if you discard one card and pay three coins, you can use a card that has a dark seal, which just means you have to. Normally, you'd have to have your your cult card flipped over oh nice um, and summon your deity one time so nice that uh oh yeah, that is like a, josh is yeah. saying that's a that's a huge benefit to flipping over your card you know and using those cards to discard and using janus's abilities you don't you can't use them anyway unless you flip your card right. so you have all these dark cards that you can just you can actually utilize them now right. right whereas a normal person just wouldn't be able to use them at all they're just pointless cards in their hand yeah let's talk about whether or not we should be really drunk during this game. This has become kind of a <laughs> a staple uh, topic of ours. I think that happened pretty organically and accidentally, but I, it's been enjoyable for us to discuss and hopefully enjoyable for our listeners. So um, obviously we're not talking about enjoying one or two beers here, just like, but actually being pretty drunk. Is this a game where you'd have some fun and you could be successful doing that? Or is this not that game? And I think I know what all of our answers are going to be. Just do you? I I think so. I would say going off of it, um, based on earlier statements, I couldn't figure this game out stone sober with with, (laughs) with YouTube videos. It it literally took playing with somebody who had played before to help me play this game. And I think maybe now that I have played it, I could get a... I could get a good buzz, but I, you definitely can't uh, effectively play this game. Maybe even tipsy. <laughs> I would, I, I would go a <laughs> uh, couple drinks. Yeah, tipsy. 
effectively no definitely you start to lose it pretty yeah. fast yeah yeah this thing is this it it requires a lot of mental acuity to really to really enjoy this game and and get through it and be satisfied with how you played and all that stuff and like it's it's a chess match where you're thinking like two or three moves ahead this round i'm going for i need followers and i need followers so that next round i can do x and then i need that i need x so that on the next round i can get y you know and eventually i'm getting into i'm winning the game and if you if you start to get a little tipsy you lose it at followers like i'm I'm like what am i doing again right you know you lose it halfway through the round of placing your priest and you're like why did i place my three over there i don't even know that being said you can absolutely get to a point in this game where you realize you're fucked <laughs> and, and yeah. then yes and then start and drinking then you immediately. just start drinking <laughs> because if you're not drinking you're just sitting here like okay my thumb's been in my ass for the last four turns <laughs> i'm getting nothing good is happening for me so let's well, just try to <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and start drinking and see how how i can ruin this for everyone else <laughs> nice i don't That's think where I, we're going i don't think i have much to add I definitely agree with the sentiment uh, being put forth by both of you guys. Um, just specifically, I, I've played a couple games where, like, my last two turns, I had to do, like, literally five specific things. And it's like, I need to accomplish two things on this turn and three things on my last turn, and then I might have a chance at winning. And you have to remember that and keep it in mind and do it in order, and then you might have a chance at winning. And you're just, you know, you're just never going to be able to have that kind of a of a specific plan and just to keep it all in mind if you're if you're pretty drunk so i think i think definitively the answer here is no which is what i thought it would be right yeah all right let's yeah, talk about pretty true this game is a two to five player game um and i think all of us have played a three player game and a four player game potentially um and i've played a two player game so what do you think rob of all the games you've played what's your favorite number of people to play with and maybe just some like notes about like playing with two or playing with five if you have um so i played one round of two um aj and i had got to play uh, because josh bailed on us <laughs> Fuck. i think it was stress level midnight was that stress the... level midnight yeah, yeah, stress, stress level, level midnight. midnight. You can't fuck with stress level midnight man i mean it no happens. no i didn't blame we're it. I didn't we blame are it, in but... a very unique world gentlemen <laughs> where yes yeah some things yeah, change no in a very important meeting very short amount of and <laughs> it kind of ruins your night so good I thing mean, you didn't you were, good thing you, you were debating not even meeting. going to that I meeting know, exactly. yeah. stress level midnight <laughs> yeah so <laughs> anyways in anyway i don't blame you for not coming that night but it did lead to us playing a two-player game which i was not that pumped about i didn't think it was going to be that fun um but I thought every element of the game that I enjoyed from three and four players was present in a two-player game. So I thought that was cool. So if you're looking for a two-player game, this is actually a pretty cool strategy game that you can you can play with two people, and it's just as fun. Um, but if I had to say my favorite, I mean, between three and four, it, it gets pretty tough. Early on, and I'm, I would say I'm still pretty early on in, in like having this game mastered to a point where I can sit down and play a game confidently. Um, because of all the reasons we've talked about, you know, about the how in-depth it is and crazy it is. But I would say four people, I can imagine a four-player game where everybody knows how to play 
being super fun because there's multiple people to, to ruin other people's plans and that you're trying to fight against to make your stuff work. And so the more people you get involved in that, I think that just makes the game more fun. Um, but I could see five people at just completely complete speculation. You know, I could see five people being almost too much. Got it. Yeah. What do you guys what think? About you, Josh? Well, Josh, where where are you at? Yeah. So I think, so we played the other day with four and I think that was the most fun because Robbie won on a turn that the next turn, I feel like I, I was way behind, but I believe if it would have went one more turn, I could have won because it took me, it took me about that long to realize the strategy for four. And so the turn before I amassed, I think I was like at 10 cards. So I could have won and four priests. So I think playing with four people kind of expedites how quick you need to get to your plan. And I think had I been able to get to it a little quicker, it was definitely the four players that made my strategy would have been able to work. And I think Mm -hmm. if we played with less, I would have had to change that. Granted, being at four, it expedited it, but it wouldn't have worked with less people because I wouldn't have been able to get, I think with three people, you're kind of playing on less space and four people, you have more space to get to, right? to, to win. So that was where it's, it's hard not to just get into the intricacies of that, (laughs) of that, but I, because I was Janus and those abilities, I think I got to a point, but unfortunately, it just took a little too long. So I think yeah. I think four four presses you to make the most, and and to I think it was I think it's the most fun. I've played with one player and three gods, and I've played with one <laughs> player and two gods. Um. And it definitely, I think the four-player one forces you to be a little more aggressive and a little more definitive on what you're trying to do, which I think makes this game really fun. It it focuses you in. It's less random. So I think I had the most fun with four, four players. Nice. Nice. I'm going to agree three or four, I think, is the, is the ideal number, the most fun. I will say a quick note about two players um when you when you play with two players you really get to focus on your offensive strategy and then one other person's strategy that you're playing defense against and it it like really really simplifies the game i would say like if it's your first time ever playing i think it helps a ton to maybe play a two player a two person game um i can see that just to allow yourself to just like concentrate on your strategy and then stopping one other strategy um that's a good that's good advice because i think when you play a three-person game it's hard to play defense almost i mean you you have to once someone is like ready to win but really you're just doing what you're doing and it's not really versus the other guys yet you know like it becomes that but in the beginning it's hard but in with a two-player game it's you know it's really easy to see what that person is doing and to play defense on them pretty early so yeah and with with more than two you get this opportunity to you can either be selfish or you can play for the game you know like play for the for the rest of the people totally like risk in that way right exactly 
and and like a lot of strategy games you know you can play defensively or you can play offensively and mm-hmm. um this this has a ton of opportunity for defense and so you can say you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna let josh handle this and i'm not gonna handle <laughs> yeah. aj about to win i'm gonna go for my own you know for my own ends right um and then it kind of forces everybody's hand to like oh, well somebody's got to stop aj or he's gonna win this round so yeah true and <laughs> so that's that's a cool cool part of it nice is that another social. background one or is that like social social club club america no it's not background Catch no, no it's not background <laughs> let's get into a couple of host questions um josh let's start with you what's uh what's a general question you think somebody might be asking about this game when they've never played it before okay to start how do you read the rule book I know, I know, Robbie. I'm gonna it's shoot left, this one over to you. To right. Just okay. So getting into this game, what I found was the hardest part was <laughs> figuring out how to play play the game. So in reading the rule books, it's very general. Okay, I can't see anywhere where it talks about altars. Other than to say you can build four to win, maybe maybe I misread, but I think I'm looking through now. I can hear. Yeah, that. I know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. There's not like a section on altars that says like here's all the ways to build an altar, right? Or, or fanatical like mobs for that, point. or what they are. Right. Like that. That's how would you learn how to play this game if you weren't playing mm. with somebody who had already played this game? What would you do? Go to YouTube, go... Is there a podcast or anything you could check out? (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Other than this incredibly informative podcast. (laughs) I doesn't teach you how to play the game. At all, yeah. (laughs) So how did you first play it? Have you played other than playing with somebody who had already played? Um, So I'm going to tackle this one first, Age. Right. I was going to shoot it. I was going to throw it to you anyway. Okay. Um, so I, when I played this game for the first time, I, I had to learn how to play it from the rule book. So it was not through another person. Okay. Um, and in fact, I played it with AJ and Adina. So I kind of like taught them as we played and we kind of like figured it out. Yeah. It took Um, a long time. It was probably like a four hour, four hour experience to play like a three person game, just trying to teach ourselves. Right. So I guess... I've been thinking a lot about that because then my second experience playing this game was I was teaching, like I had played it and I was teaching Jeremy and Vanessa how to play. Um, and it ended up going like pretty poorly just because, you know, you can't, I tried to speed it up. The I tried nuances. to just, right. Yeah. I, I didn't explain the nuances well enough for, for everybody to understand. Um, and so it, the game went south because it was like somebody won on a technicality that was, or somebody didn't win when they thought they were going to because of a technicality. Right, because they didn't understand right. exactly all the all the rules. Yeah, and you're trying to keep your strategy to yourself, so you're not, like, talking out every move, and so you wouldn't catch it if somebody's planning something two moves down the line, and you're like, wait, you can't do that based on the rules, right. you know? So I think this question that you're asking is a really, really important question for this game. If somebody wants to get into this, the best way to learn how to play it, I think, is get people who either... 
have to be really open-minded and you have to play like a really open-handed game where you almost play a quick game or a quick couple of rounds um, right. knowing and just talking out every single move. I'm doing this because blank. That's a good and idea. I'm, ultimately, I'm trying to get to here. Like, what do you guys think of that? And then the person who has known how to play can say, well, yes, that'll work, but you can't you can't build two altars in that same place. Right. So, 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 so that, this game falls under like a number of card games. Like card games, I, I say, yes. are very similar to this. It's not like a board game where you get all the rules, you know, like you're playing spades. You, there is a lot of nuances that you learn by playing. You don't, yes, you that's don't fair. learn it through the rules. You learn it by playing the game. And that's, I think that, that lends very much into the strategy of this game. It's very much a card game in that aspect where the rules are there as a great guideline. Or guide. But it, but it will absolutely not teach you how, how to play the game. That's right. that's true, and I would say just from my own perspective, you know, don't let that detour you from playing. Oh, absolutely! Um, this is a really complicated game, probably the most complicated one we've covered in our in our podcast so far, um, and it's very hard to learn like how to play. But once you do. It's really rewarding. This is like a really fun game. Like once you know how to play, and it, it it's not like a game for only like smart people. I mean, it just takes a second. You know, you just need to play once or twice, and then you know your average person can like really grasp it. And at that point, it becomes a very very great game. I I agree. It's very very good. If you can get over that initial hump, like that the shock, the sh- yeah, where you're sitting here reading yes. it like. Okay, fuck. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. So I just take, so I just put my thing down and go fuck myself for twenty minutes. Okay, right. Once you get past that hump, it it is very very simple. But again, you think... can't look at the rules and be like, okay, you just you just have to breathe for a second. And I and again, I think where I went wrong was trying to learn how to play from the rules. And I think the best way to learn how to play is by playing. You know, the flip side of that is that it's really hard to, the rules are hard to use as a guide, you know, because they're not organized, like you said, like if I want to know information about altars, they talk about altars in like three different places. And if you don't even know where to go, then you might, you might not be able to look up the rule. So I think, I think you got to, you got to almost familiarize yourself with the rule book all like start to finish and then like dive in, you know, and be able to go back to the rule book and be like, I remember, I remember something like that was talked about. Let me go see if I could find it. I'm curious to, to get Robbie's rating on the rules and playability for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to get there. We'll get there. Right. Yeah. I got, I got a number. I I, I have a number. Too. So so that was my question. Yeah. So AJ, what do you got? What's your what's your question? Um, I really want to know. Um, in the in the multiple games that I played, I started really developing a liking for one cult in particular. I found them to be more powerful than the others. I could use them. I think I played a lot of games where the people you're playing with don't even use their cult power. It's sort of like the forgotten thing that you have. Um, And when I played with this one specific cult, I found myself using their power a lot. I really liked using them. Um, And so my question for you guys is, have you developed a cult that you really like their abilities? Um, 
either easier to play with or or just like more fun to play with. Maybe it's difficult, but it's more fun. Um, is there a is there a cult that you really enjoy playing with over the others? I have Rob, a... let's start with Josh. Let's start with you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I jumped in <laughs> no, no. real quick. I mean, I do, I do have a two-part answer. I think I really enjoy Thulu. Like, I, I think I feel that's maybe the easiest one because to begin. Ah, cool, crisp, refreshing. <laughs> these, these I think to are, begin. These mountains are blue. Um, especially if you're playing with people who haven't played a lot. I think he he's maybe a little overpowered. You you do win a lot of those tiebreakers, you know, just to start. So to start, he's he's got the highest divine might, so you win tiebreakers. Um, his powers aren't incredibly good, so it's not like those are the benefit. But again, if you're playing with a lot of people who don't use their cult powers. He's he's a great gun, but I think, and this has been through a few rounds of it, I think Janus is definitely my favorite because it is very, very difficult to use that one. And you have to have a great grasp on what three to four different things do. And so knowing that growing your priest's power and your power is maybe not the most powerful thing you can do, but using things that other people have zero affinity for and maybe don't care about, using those things are able to boost you past everyone else. Like the miracle cards, right. for example. Right. So you're, right. So you're on one gaining miracle cards that nobody cares when about. When everybody else is like, I don't care. Everybody yeah. else is trying to do something else. So if you can get yourself, and again, through playing, getting yourself to where you can build an altar on the ruins and getting miracle cards every round and then getting to a point where you can use them is, I think that's very, very fun because it's not a powerful, you're kind of like a thief. You're kind of like that person trying to sneak in the background. You, you can't. You, would you say? Yeah, just like, just like say, <laughs> Disney Prince Aladdin. Um, you, you're, you're kind of it's 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 a very everybody kind of looks at you like he's got you know a one, two, and three priest. He can't do much. So when I throw my one on and there's a seven and everybody's building up to eleven or whatever power, you you play two cards and you win. Like I think that the sneaky aspect of Yanu yeah, is, is maybe my yeah, favorite. Yeah, that's cool. But it's what's your but again, uh, it's what's your second hard. one? My, what's your my second, second favorite? I I, <laughs> I like an I like atheism mainly because again, uh, like I said earlier, I enjoy trying to summon my god, <clears throat> and I feel like I can do it fastest with with atheism. Nice, you know, because of because of the low divine they have mind. the low divine mind right. on the front, and so you, I mean at I think it's 14, 14 followers. You can be on that one and summon. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Rob, what about you? My, my answer is way uh, shorter. 
Um, <laughs> it would almost have to be. <laughs> one would one would assume. Um, I've only played one game where I was actually trying to use the the deity because I think that using the deity's power to your advantage and like building your strategy around them, like we've talked about, I think is like an advanced player move. Like I don't think I may maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just me, but for me. Like I wasn't even at the point where I could think about using the the god because I was figuring out like my strategy elsewhere right. and just like how to play the game and all that stuff um, and how to stop other people and and whatever. But so I'm gonna default to the one time I did that, which was Tiamat, which we've already kind of talked about. You know, just like he was able to use the dark seal cards without flipping his card over. He was also he's also able to like get you a really high power priest pretty quickly. Um, but I mean, don't be, I guess that, yeah, I'll, I'll end it right there. He's my favorite so far, but it's a default. Nice. Um, I have two and I'll try to talk about them super quickly. My, my number one favorite by far is Anubis and Josh, Josh, please correct me if that's not (laughs) the way that you would say that Anubis, 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 Anubis. And, and the reason I love him is the overpowered move that you can take on your first turn and what i'm referring to is the ritual of passage where you sacrifice a free priest with the power of two and you gain one follower for each priest in the active location so especially if you don't go first on that very first move you know if you just place all three of your available priests on a location that has at least one opponent priest or hopefully two all you have to do is sacrifice one priest with two, and you literally gain five followers in your first turn, or the, at the minimum of four. And I think that's just like crazy overpowered as your first move to end your first move with literally seven followers or six, I think at the least. So he is that's a that's the biggest reason I love him. If you read through some of his other stuff, it's pretty cool too. If you remove one follower, you can remove an active priest and up his strength by two. So that's pretty cool. You can take a three up to a five just by uh, losing a follower there. And then I'll just skip to um, another one, just sort of an honorable mention is Naridi. And Josh, I think you would love her for her for, for her two light side abilities. You can draw three cards from the bottom of the Miracle deck. And then she also has being able to discard cards to choose a face-up license card. So she's very card-heavy. Right. Seems to, like, really fall into your wheelhouse there. But the reason I love her is her final ability on the dark side where if you have a patriarch with a strength of 16, which, yes, is hard to come by, um, you can place that on the cult sheet and you can gain a free priest of a strength 5 for free and also gain a fanatical mob for free. That's just crazy to me that something that powerful exists. I mean, it takes a lot to get that Patriarch of 16, but I mean, that benefit is nuts. And you don't even have to give up anything. You just have to place your Patriarch on your cult sheet for one turn. Like you don't even have to lose followers forever or put them back into the Commonwealth, whatever it is, you know? So to me, that's really, really powerful if you can get her flipped over and use that one. So that's going to be my two for sure. That's right. Uh, Yeah, I actually don't think i've ever played with her <laughs> now that i'm looking at it that does look fantastic yeah and she's, she's only a 15 so that first yeah, 15 15 crazy. 25 i think 25 is the yeah. back number which is one of the lowest so yeah. definitely 
definitely lends herself to trying to summon your deity twice. Playing cards. Yep. With cards. It's really it's this is an interesting interesting topic having not played the game more than probably like five to ten times each. You know, in somewhere in there, because there's eight gods. So yeah, right. You know, to like to there's plenty that I have not even ever seen. Oh yeah, me too. Being used, you know. Yeah, I've. What's fun is like I've played with. I so I played with you two, and Josh was was Janus, and I played with my wife Adina, and she was Janus one time. But those two times are the only time I've ever like seen his abilities at work. You know, like I've never played right. with Janus myself. So, um, right. you know, playing a game, you know, especially when you're first starting out, it really like. You know, it's really helpful to pay attention to how your opponents are using their, um, you know, their gods and what, you know, what you might like about them. So, um, all right. Well, I'm going to move us on. Do we feel good about Absolutely. that? All right. My question, I've, I had a different question, but I'm kind of changing it up um, for sake of time, mostly. Um, I think I'm just going to, I want to know what would be the number one reason you would recommend that someone did not go out and pick up this game? The easy answer is that it's very complicated, and that's just not for everyone. Um, like Josh said, it's once you get it, it's easy to actually play, but it's it's very hard to grasp in the beginning. And I just think that's not for everyone. I can think of a few people that I know in my life that just would have no interest in this game at all because they don't want to give the time of day to learning it. It's really hard to sort of learn. And so I think that if you're that type of person who just doesn't really want to put in the effort, then, yeah, this game's not for you for sure. What do you think, Josh? Well, I would very much agree with that. When you open the game, you pop out, you know, 100. <laughs> it's like 10 sheets of player, <laughs> right. player pieces that you're popping out. Yeah. And the, and the whole time I was doing that, I, I just thought – well, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, as weird as that is to say, it was very much the whole time I was just kept building anxiety. Like, okay, okay. Yeah, and there's a lot. You're just there popping pieces out, which maybe, again, I'm not, I don't have 100 board games. I'm, I'm not, that must be a very new thing. Wait till but, you play Small World, buddy. Right. <laughs> Right. And so again, that just getting into it, you're, you're just inundated with things. There's a rule book that's mm. bigger than a lot of comic books. And there's <laughs> five to, I, I can't remember, but there's so many sheets of little pop out pegs that you're Mostly dealing. coins. Right. A lot of coins. Terribly designed coins. Designed coins. And, Again, I, I think the thing that would make me say don't play this game is if you have uh, zero patience with learning how to play a game. There you go. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Nice. Rob, what do you think? Well, I don't think I have anything to add, really. I think that that is uh, – I think you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. I My least favorite part about this game is that you have to pick your – audience that you're going to play it with whereas i loved the game like once we got into it kind of like you're saying it's a great game has really fun opportunities to really work out different strategies and put different things to use and it works your brain in crazy ways and um any game that you can't play that any game that we say you can't play with being having a little buzz uh it means you're working your brain pretty extensively while you're playing good point um and i like that but 
knowing that that's not for everybody. I kind of like games, you know, I, I mean, I guess that's a check in the con column for this game because I would like to be able to sit down and say, hey, I got this really cool game named Cult. Let me show you guys all how to play it. But knowing that it's not for everybody means you can't necessarily do that. Yeah. You know, that being said, I wouldn't rule it out. I think that there, like AJ, you said, you know, you thought maybe Adina would not be someone who'd be into this game, but she actually ended up being right uh, liking this game a lot. Yeah, so, once she learned how to play, it's like one of her favorite games. She really, really likes it. So I, there's that part of it. If you have the patience to learn it, like Josh said, patience is the right word. You know, it just takes some patience and just the willingness to learn it. And then after that, it's God, it's really simple and it's a really fun game. Right. The complexity, the complexity is not necessarily in like the gameplay, but it's, it's trying to win. And that's where the complexity really comes in eventually once yeah. you learn how to play. So that's it. Nice. Um, Let's dive. Let's do some ratings. Let's, let's get into the ratings. Let's get into that's it. a good idea. Um, remember, for everybody out there, kind of our one of our main purposes here is to give you some information on a game you may have not heard about. Uh, you hopefully will walk away either thinking to yourself, "That sounds really fun. I'm going to go buy that game," um, or you walk away thinking, "Like that was the worst hour I've spent of my life listening to those idiots talk about that game that sounded really stupid." So, um, and then you don't go buy the game. That's one of our biggest purposes of doing this, you know, because we love games. So maybe if we can do some of that legwork for you, sure. Then, uh, then you're welcome, you know. Totally. So let's dive into the the ratings. Everybody got their numbers ready to roll. We do. Let just real quick. Let's let's reset what our ratings mean. So we all have our own specific thing that we love about board games. Robbie's is rules and playability. Mine is strategy and Josh's is replayability. Whether you would, after you play it once, would you love to play again? And so our ratings are specifically designed towards those three things. Um, And then we do a zero through 10 or a one through 10. um, And then we'll just do an average at the end. So that's kind of like the way things go there. Um, Robbie, why don't you start us off with rules and playability? Because I think you went last last time. Is that true? Uh, sure. Probably. I think so. Sure you did. Yeah, I think you did. Okay. I'll go first. Yeah. Rules and playability. I'm going to give this one. I'm going to come out with a number. I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. (laughs) Got it. I'm going to give this a seven. Ooh, that's higher than I thought you'd go. (laughs) I'm going to give it a seven specifically because all the shit we've been talking about. So I don't need to restate all that stuff. Um, but the playability for me is, is one that I'm going to focus on here because it does like I've, I am now to the point where I feel like I could sit down and play a game and have a strategy and, and actually like compete. Um, even though I've, I think I won two out of the four games I've played or something like that. Like it didn't feel like a victory. It just felt like I fell into it. So the playability part take, it takes four to five times in my opinion to get to the point where you're like, all right, let's play cult. I'm going to sit down. I know what I'm doing. Um, and that's, that's, that's the basis for my seven. Nice. I also think that there's another complex, complex thing that I want to mention that we haven't talked about. Um, you know, our recommendation was to play with somebody who's played before. Um, but Vanessa had a really different experience. She played with me who'd played before and it took away from the like learning process for her. So I think that whoever that person is, that is the person who played before it's it's on them to present this game in a way that's like accessible to everybody and it doesn't like it's really easy to feel lost Very much. when you're playing this game for the first time and if you're playing with a bunch of people who have played already you're just gonna you're not gonna have any fun that's a good so, point i just think all of those things going into 
it goes into my seven Very and maybe much. even like yeah. a low seven, you know? So that's it. <laughs> yeah. I guess we could do five. So huh? now I'm going to stick with this. We seven. don't go to five. Why do you keep doing that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, right. it's, well, it's, since it's a fucking, it's a hundred percent scale. <laughs> there you go. I like it. But since we did rules right, and playability, let's, uh, let's have Josh talk about replayability. It seems apt to do that. And I'm on a very the the rating is very difficult on replayability based yeah. on the playability. I I would say it is. I'm gonna give it a six. Uh, on the basis of replayability, it is a very replayable game. But with the caveat that playing it in the first place is is such a kind of a traumatic, and I hate to say traumatic, <laughs> but it, but it, in my own experiments, I, I was very frustrated trying to play this game for the first time, to the point where I foregoed playing it until I could play with somebody that had played before. So on right. replayability, it it's very replayable. It would be a different experience every time you play it. That being said, it the first time you play it, I could see it giving you such a bad taste because of those little nuances that it would make you not necessarily feel great about playing it again. Gotcha. So I think I think sense. it is very replayable, but with those caveats that it, it is very hard to play the first time, um, I, I'd give it a six, a six on that. Got it. All right. AJ, AJ? what do you think about strategy? Ooh. How much I'm does so, that play? I'm in? so excited to rate this game on strategy. <laughs> Do it. Where you guys, the time. Where you guys live in the six and the seven world, I'm going to get it a ten. A ten. A ten. A fucking ten. A ten. <laughs> and I don't even think I need to explain much about this. This game is all strategy, baby. The whole thing. Um, I think one of the things I think about when rating a game based on strategy is, you know, like a game that is a zero to me, is like flip a coin, you know, like it's complete chance. And a game that is a 10 to me is where like chance doesn't play a big role, you know, like your strategy will literally lead you down the path to victory. Um, so like just to just to give another quick example, like Catan is not going to be a, like it's a good strategy game, but so much relies on on luck and just rolling those dice, um, you know, with this game. I think your strategy can literally make, you know, all the difference and there's not a lot of luck. You know, there's three decks of cards, so obviously there's a little bit. I'm not going to say there's none, but um, you know, this is a very very intricate strategy-based game. And yeah, I'm go 10. I'm go 10 all the way. Nice, man. Great job. I'm glad somebody could give it a 10 cuz I love I really it like is, this game. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. And it I makes feel me like feel bad going with what I did, but I feel like our overall rating is going to be low. But it this is. is what, like I said, I caveated. You know, this is based on rules and playability, strategy and replayability, right. and so you get our rating. That's what it is. Yeah. 
Uh, Josh, hit us with the overall, man. What is it? That overall, going on a real scale that doesn't just randomly <laughs> round down to 7.5, it's a 7.6 repeating overall right. rating. Nice. Nice. Well, relatively high then. Right. It, it, it is saying, a right? better than average game, I would say. It's yeah. hard because in I, I think that I would put this game right up there with Pandemic and just like how fun it is to play. I would. And we gave these two games very different ratings, like 9.6 yeah. and 7.6. So, All right, guys, that's the rating. I think we're fast approaching the closing of this podcast. And uh, if you guys want to get in contact with us, there are several ways to do so. You can email us at boardgamesocialclub at gmail.com. And we are also on Instagram and Facebook at BGSC Podcast. And then if, I mean, you're already listening to this podcast, so you know how to get it, I guess. But if you don't, (laughs) we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Robbie, why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about two weeks from today? Yes, two weeks from today, we will be sitting down, hope probably not together still, probably, probably remotely, not. unfortunately, um, but we're going to discuss the game Jaws, Ooh. so that's really exciting. Um, I think that's going to be a drastic difference from uh, from Colt. Colt. Colt was our board gamer's board game, and uh, Jaws is going to be... Jaws is going to be like a fun family game, I think. So stay tuned for that one. Nice. Um, and before we close it out here, I just want to shout out to everybody who's been following us so far because we've had a pretty awesome little following. Uh, we've got 105 downloads today, as of today, right now. Um, 105 downloads over all of our platforms and over two episodes. So that's really averaging about 50 downloads per episode, which is almost exactly what it is. Nice. That's awesome. So, I mean, we do this because it's really fun, but knowing that you guys are out there listening definitely adds a little wrinkle of joy to our lives as well so great yes yeah, so great thank job you. everyone thank you to all all of you people who have downloaded and listened and and feel free to to spread the word you know send it send it to your friends say check out this podcast go on apple or spotify and give us a rating leave us a review all those kinds of things okay so guys coming up if you do want to email us any questions about jaws or comment on our social media pages we appreciate that and we would definitely like to get to those questions coming up this game colt if you're bored looking to have a social club game night colt is the game for you all right guys it was good hanging with you we'll see you next time all right see you later peace